the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Business talk during the day. Then we kick back and relax in the evenings. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Hey, that's our end news. I'm Jason Walker. The funeral service for Prince Philip is concluding at this hour. The prince being remembered as a great man of courage, fortitude, and faith. We therefore pray that God will give us grace to follow his example and that with our brother Philip, at the last, we shall know the joys of life eternal. The funeral service also saluted Prince Philip's service in the Royal Navy, where he was a hero during World War II, and his support for Queen Elizabeth II nearly three-quarters of a century. Philip died last week at the age of 99. This is SRN News. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation. For us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Keeley. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com Markets are down. Turn us up. Your Twin Cities radio home for business and investing news. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. We're waiting. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Thank you very little. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Let's go while we're young. Welcome back, King Bang. You show the Biz 1440, visiting, uh, continuing this hour with uh, David Ducini from uh, Silicon Prairie Capital Partners, um, telling us uh, everything we want to know about uh, about Bitcoin. David, thank you for staying with us. Uh, I want to take the thought 
ultimately just left with, okay? Crypto, we'll use Bitcoin to represent all the different coins. I'm not, we're, we're, so we're using it as a, as a category, not as the specific currency. Um, and I understand there are differences. So I'm not, I'm, I'm just trying to shorthand things because cryptocurrency is too hard for me to pronounce. Um, the, you know, the, you say it fulfills many of the functions of money. And I, and I'm not, be, this doesn't, this isn't necessarily a pushback, but I'm trying to sort in my head why places that have adopted online systems to handle mobile payments wouldn't be embracing this technology, particularly when they're in countries that typically have currencies that are less secure as a store of value than even the U.S. dollar. Uh, So the one that comes to mind, I don't know if you do this in your class, I spend time talking about M-Pesa which is the system used in Kenya. Uh, basically, every Kenyan pays each other with a mobile phone. Um, it's, you know, you are, you, you know, you can, you can hand it to each other. You, 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 you're, you're paying each other. You see this all the time. Now, I don't know the specifics about the clearing time as you just gave me for a Bitcoin transaction of an hour. But just generally speaking, um, is it a potential solution for people solving payments problems in developing countries? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. I mean, the M-Pesa is super interesting because it's a natural outflow of, you know, of opportunity, right? So in many parts of the, of the, the world, uh, prepaid cell phones are the norm. And so you have to buy minutes. And so a lot of times those, you know, those cards get used and if they still have some residual value. They are traded like cash. I mean, you know, Joe can say that, you know, in prison, cigarettes, are, are, are a form yep. of money, um, you know. And to, and, to, and to your point, now, okay, you, you know, is it is it an answer to, um, you know, a, a new payment rail in developing nations? Maybe the challenge here is that this thing is still heavily dependent on having an, an internet connection um, at some point, and, and so it, until we have you know a wider mesh network, I mean, potentially Elon Musk's uh, you know, Starlink, you know, could be you know part of the answer to that as well. And I think that's part of the goal too, is essentially provide. A ubiquitous internet service. Um, you still have, you know, centralized intermediaries, and, that, and that's fine for the role of, you know, of, of money as money. You know, the ability to repudiate a transaction is an important part of, you know, of the financial system, uh, and that's essentially what you're getting when you have a credit card, right? Those credit card fees. I mean, what you have there is essentially an insurance policy, uh, and you don't have that with, you know, things like Bitcoin, right? There is no repudiation. There's nobody you can cry to to ask to be made whole. And so it, again, fundamentally dramatically changes sort of the nature and balance of, of responsibility. Now, again, using, again, the, the, you know, this, you know, so, you know like with most technologies, right? I mean, there's at first, you know, the, the government says no, and then they, they threaten you, and then eventually they agree with you, and then you win, that kind of thing. And so there's been a lot of talk recently about central bank digital currencies. Uh, and so, so these, would, these would operate in ways very similar to, you know, the legacy payment systems, but using blockchain-based distributed ledgers to do that. But and they would also then put in the protections and the guarantees, and then ultimately the oversight, the ability to say, look, I know whose account this is, something you don't have automatically with things like Bitcoin. It is pseudo-anonymous. Uh, and so the, the design of Bitcoin is, is again, it's unique, uh, at least for the first one. It, it, it was designed to, you know, create trust in a trustless world that, you know, the, the idea here is that, you know, you can't trust uh, the network, but maybe you can trust everyone to, to keep their eyes on. And that's just not a problem that we have. We just don't, you know, normally our financial transactions, like when I go through Starbucks in the morning and I go to the window or I go to the, I, I order my, you know, my, my soy latte, I don't expect to be handed, a, you know, a piece of fish when I get up to the, to the window, right? And so just most of our transactions that we do are not based on adversarial trust. And so I, I do think that there are certainly places and roles I'm more, I'm more sort of more bullish on, you know, the whole technology as stores of value uh, than I am on sort of the currency aspect of it. Okay. Okay. So I think that's, I think that's important to hear because I think that, that then says, okay, so this is an, this is first and foremost an asset. This is first and foremost a store of value. And, and some of the, some of the early enthusiasm over people buying a cup of coffee with Bitcoin is probably, probably misplaced or gone or sort of superseded by the experiences. 
Um, one of my one of my listeners, Ron, has noted over on, uh, and I don't know if you're watching uh, watching my feed over on uh, at Pound KBRS, David, but notes that about twenty percent of the uh, he had some clip. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the source of this, but uh, uh, so Finaria uh, or uh, that twenty percent of all uh, Bitcoin has been lost or locked up due to um, lost wallets or keys. Um, that's sort of the other side of the trust piece. If you're not going to trust other people to take care of your transactions, you have to sort of take responsibility of them, don't you? Yeah, for sure. We, we tell people, you know, you know. so we host a, a regular blockchain meetup on the first Thursday. I'll, I'll tweet out a link to that, that meetup. I really do like a, a very, a, like a light, light one-on-one of like the entire thing that I do for 14 weeks. We always just we always you know advocate to people, especially if they're new in this space, like you know you don't leave your wallet on the casino floor. That the exchanges themselves may and have been for sure implicated in fraud, uh, and that you know you just it's just not you know it's not in your best interest to leave any store of value at an exchange. They're not at a bank now. You know this past week, you know the the Coinbase went public uh, in a direct listing on Nasdaq under the symbol Coin. Uh, and, you know, they are certainly the biggest, you know, the biggest and, and most successful uh, cryptocurrency exchange uh, in the U.S. And, you know, they're lining up to be compliant. And so I have a higher degree of confidence in in Coinbase. But, again, it's, it's just, it, it, unless, you know, again, I don't have day trading. The thing is that there's no day in cryptocurrency. I mean, I've seen people show up at our meetups and they, they talk about day trading. And they come back like a few months later and they're emaciated and they look like cancer survivors because they become obsessed with trading. And it's just it's not a healthy lifestyle. And so, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't necessarily have a high degree of confidence uh, in these exchanges. And there's all sorts of fraud that goes on uh, with exit scams, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so it does, it does you know, require um, a much higher degree of, of, uh, of a fiduciary, which they just, there just are no fiduciaries in the space for the most part. I mean, I, I don't really know of any investment advisor uh, who is, and I've spoken to uh, some of the, the RA groups, and uh, there's nobody that's going to recommend it at all, like zero. I haven't met a single person that says, you know, they may say, okay, look, you know, okay, the classic, you know, rules around, you know, dollar cost averaging and don't expose more than 10% of your net worth and da-da-da. Those are like the generic things they will say about any asset class. Um, but it's just, it's just still early days, and we just don't really have good custody. Now, that's not because... You know, the technology can't support it. The technology today could absolutely support the notion of good custody where you don't have to rely on a single party. Uh, there's a, you know, a, a component of this technology. I think I showed the video of the multi-sig wallet where you can have two of three keys that have to unlock the thing. And so we're just we're still just, you know, it's in the early days here. And there's you know, there are some wallets that will support that sort of thing. But again, it's 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 you have to be cautious with this. You need to make backups of your passwords. You need to make backups of your keys. Uh, and you just yeah you just don't leave the stuff on an exchange. So uh, just to re- emphasize that point about how investment advisors talk about it or don't talk about it, I, this is a little clip I've got to, that I'll play for you, David. Uh, this is a uh, uh, Dave Bonson. David Bonson uh, runs the Bonson Group. He's a he's he's a financial advisor. He's got I think I think maybe an eight figure uh, assets under eight, nine figure assets under management. He might be even up over, he might be into the billions. I'm not positive how far he is, but he's very popular right now in a, in a number of places, particularly on the, on the more conservative uh, media that we see out there. And he had this to say, this was on Fox business just this last week. I just want people to understand sure. the difference between speculation and investment. We have to price investments off of cash flows they generate. 500-year-old lessons don't go away in a new world. Last time we said there was a new world where lessons went away, it was called dot-com, and it blew up. In this case, I have no idea where crypto goes to the upside. I just know those investing are speculating, and there's a lot of risk in that. We have to be a bit different in the way we manage money for our clients. So that's an example, David uh, Duchini, of uh, what what people what people say. I listen to Bonson pretty regularly. I I subscribe to his podcast and uh, and, and listen listen to him. I think he's smart on a number of things. But what would you say to him to sort of maybe? I I thought it sounded a little hyperbolic in that in that particular comment. What did you think? Yeah, actually, I have to I have to agree. I thought that was one of the smartest things I've heard so far. That you know, there is a difference between you know just speculating and and actually investing. You know, I I will say that 
um, you know, part of the challenge here is that, you know, when people say, look, how, how high can Bitcoin go, right? That's the same thing of any stock, right? It's infinite upside. You can go to zero, obviously. Uh, and don't even get me started on derivatives. But, you know, I, I like to compare it this way, right? So, you know, Warren Buffett, not a fan. I mean, obviously, I mean, you can't really control, control what's going on. But, you know, I, I talk about like, so if you look at Berkshire Hathaway's A, right? You're talking about ownership and it's like, what, last time I checked, $400,000 per unit. Uh, and that's, you know, that represents ownership in a large multinational global organization, right? Bitcoin represents ownership in a global economy. Like there's no company per se. And so from an asset class, it's a lot like currency. And the, and the SEC essentially did pass on Bitcoin and Ethereum, not as securities, but as a currency, which is why the CFTC is interested in potentially regulating the space. And so, you know, to, 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 to speculate or to invest I would say it's very similar to, you know, any kind of Forex or foreign exchange, you know, kind of, you know, kind of investment strategy with the caveat and difference that it, it has you know, some subtle, very powerful, nuanced differences between uh, a fiat currency where the government can just keep running the printing presses uh, and, the fa- and the fact that it is deflationary. And to your, you know, to your, you know, your listener's point, yes, 20 percent of these things are thought to be lost. Right. And that's part of the deflationary nature of, of the thing. It, in fact, some people actually think it's a gift. Because even like for a period of time, people would do these stupid stunts. They called them proof of burn, where they would literally take bitcoins, send them to an unspendable address as a token or a gesture of trying to, you know, transfer the the mental value of that into a new project. And I'm like that it's dumb because it's like the equivalent of making a hundred dollar bill, setting on fire, and writing a hundred dollars on a post-it note and asking you to treat it the same. Right? We just don't do that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I like that. I like that story. I, I mean, this is your describing. It's like, how the heck does that work? You know. Okay, so uh, I, I'll, I'll I'll live with the hundred dollar post the hundred dollars on a post it note. I, I mean, I've got a whole bunch of them here. I still live by post it notes. Uh, David, uh, stay with me a little bit longer. For sure, I'm here. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I got one. I got one more clip and one more question uh, for you here. Uh, we're visiting with David Ducheney from. Uh, uh, Silicon Prairie Capital Partners, uh, talking about Bitcoin and blockchain, and uh, he's an expert. He teaches this stuff, uh, and we're learning a lot right here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. Look at all these options. You could fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream the Biz 1440. Top shelf choices include TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, our free app, and Radio.com. Be kind to someone, and you could have your car payments covered for a year. Oh, very kind. The Biz 1440 and Standard Heating and Air Conditioning present the Kindness Challenge. Do something nice for a hero in your life. Then let us know about it by entering it in the Kindness Challenge. You'll be registered to have your vehicle payments paid for a year or get $12,000 towards a new car, both for you and your hometown hero. Sign up for the Standard Heating Kindness Challenge at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Keep on loving. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you'll receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking lately about the biblical principle of headship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One way to think about headship or authority is like an umbrella. If you're under a good authority figure, it's like standing under an umbrella during the rain. It's your job to stand under the umbrella 
and it's the umbrella's job to protect you from the rain. Biblical authority is like a good umbrella. It won't leak or move, and it provides shelter. Our job as believers is to submit to biblical authority figures God has placed in our life, as long as it doesn't go against God's Word. Here at the Kingdom Builders, we don't sell umbrellas, but we do install shingle roofs. If you have a roofing need or want to talk about God's Word, please give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Have you been charged with a gun crime? Have you lost your gun rights due to an old criminal offense? Have you been denied a permit to carry or a purchase of a firearm? I'm attorney Kelly Keegan, and I can help. Contact us for a free consultation at keeganlawoffice.com. All right, welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. We're going to visit, and I think we're going to let him go after this segment because he's been so generous with his time. David Duchini from uh, Silicon Prairie Capital Partners. Um, SPPX.io is his firm. Take a look and see some of the interesting things that they're doing. Um, and uh, he's tweeted at us uh, on, on the show uh, as well on Twitter as at the Little Duke. Uh, David, one more one more question for you because you brought up Coinbase. I mean, I, I find it simply fascinating that now people are investing, you know, in a in a place into this technology. I admit, I'm one of its customers. Um, at some point, I decided, since I I do believe in holding just a tiny amount of silver and gold, and I'm by and and my my reasons for bimetallism date back to the 19th century. Um, so, so I'm I, I I'm a student of monetary history, and and so for me, and, and it's a long story. If someone wants to have me explain it, I'd be happy to. Uh, but um, but uh, at some point, I decided that Bitcoin needed to be in that mix. But uh, the place that I you know the the brokerage firm that I invest through uh, didn't have a contract I could buy for Bitcoin, so it's like okay, fine, I open this up. What does it mean? I mean, when when Coinbase goes at the IPO and the levels that it went to and gets valued as a what sixty five billion dollar company, what does that mean in terms of the acceptance of of blockchain and of of Bitcoin? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So the the whole Coinbase, uh, so it, I mean, it was technically an initial public offering, but it was really a direct registration. So they didn't. I don't look. I didn't really look at it because I don't. I don't remember the exact rules with DR. There was some proposed changes that would allow investors to or allow, allow companies to add additional shares. And I don't know if that was done, but a direct registration primarily uh, is there to provide liquidity to the existing, you know, employees and in, in, in the early investors. And that's so that's it's become popular as, as a way. And so it wasn't a classic underwritten, uh, you know, uh, IPO. Uh, and I think they did it begrudgingly. I think they. I think they sort of had to. I, I think you know. So uh, another one to follow is Caitlin Long. Uh, she's a real baller from you know, Wyoming, has you know, really put Wyoming on the forefront of, of blockchain and cryptocurrencies and banking and finance. And that's where Kraken, the exchange, got a bank charter. Uh, you know, she said it was really kind of a sad day in, in that, you know, everything that blockchain does fundamentally, you know, that, you know, the, when, you, when those shareholders essentially, you know, turned their shares in, it went off to DTC, right? The monolithic, essentially licensed monopoly for managing, you know, stockholder certificates, right? And into their subsidiary, uh, who's ironically named Seed, C E D E and Company. And so, Seed and Company is technically the one who owns those, you know, actually has possession of those. And so, uh, I think it was. I think they did it, um, you know, a because they had to. Uh, I think you know, again, their early investors, you know, needed to get some kind of liquidity. I do think it was, you know. Uh, a big bold move. I, I think you know, given you know an alternative universe, I don't think they would have. And I think we're going to see more sort of follow on. Part of the challenge here is that the regulators simply do not understand custody yet. And so, one of our affiliate companies, Silicon Prairie Registrar and Transfer, is a SEC reporting transfer agency, and we actually sit on a blockchain subcommittee for the Securities Transfer Association industry, SDAI.org. And so, we're helping write essentially the rules now, at least a model, a model document, if you will, on how transfer agents could sort of be the, the sort of the center of the universe for the custody. And again, 
we don't need these large mainframes to keep track of these stores of value. We have a system now that can fully decentralize, distribute, tolerance, and we have the, the ability to put protection layers in place so that, for instance, you know, if you wanted to do a transfer, you wouldn't need to call your broker per se. You could essentially put in the put in the trade. Uh, the transfer agent could say, okay, well, you're not an insider or this is matured, this is seasoned. Yes, you are permitted to, to send. And so it would take two out of three of you to essentially affect the transfer. And that, I think, and that's what, you know, for me, that was what represented the, the biggest challenge uh, that you know, Bitcoin represents. It doesn't represent, at least in its current form, doesn't represent a challenge to, to legacy banking. I mean, banking in and of itself is largely undifferentiated and it's going to die, die slowly. I mean, look at the number of branches that are closing, right? Everyone's going online anyway. And so I think that ultimately at the end of the day, things like blockchain, we're going to come to expect it. It's going to be like the padlock in your web browser. I think we're going to start to see where it's going to have broader adoption in terms of like audits. You know, when you have like essentially a SOC 2 type 2 audit, they're going to come in and say, right, please show us that your log files are secured by blockchain technology, right? Because that means they can't go back in time and change it. Or if they do change it, it's tamper evident. Um, and so I know it's a long-winded answer to a very short question. But I, so the, the thing is that we're, you know, you know, through Silicon Prairie Capital Partners, we're in, you know, an SEC and reporting broker-dealer. Uh, we are in the process right now with uh, filing an alternative trade system registration with the SEC and FINRA. We're cautiously optimistic that will go live in June, which is going to bring about essentially a secondary market. You know, that doesn't hasn't existed like a mini exchange that hasn't existed. You know, in you know decades. Mm-hmm. I think it's ironic that the grain exchange shut down here you know, last year, and now we're opening essentially a new exchange for securities that are sold under these exemptions on platforms like mine. And that you know our model, you know. Going forward, not from day one, but our model going forward is to essentially create uh, a decentralized stock exchange, if you will, uh, using this technology. God, you could, I could, I, I could ask you like two or three questions just off that, but I, I want to respect your time, David. And I'm, I, and, and there's one more, one more audio clip I wanted you to react to. This made waves about ten days ago at the Nixon seminar at the Nixon Foundation, which. Uh, uh, Salem, uh, Salem uh, Media Group's uh, uh, national host, Hugh Hewitt, is the uh, president of the foundation or, or chair of the foundation. Uh, Peter Thiel was on and was talking. I don't know if you've heard this clip yet, David, but this was him talking about how China is talking about digital currencies. I played it last week, and as I was playing it, I said, oh, I need to, I need to ask David this question what, about this. Let me play you the clip and make sure our audience knows what we're talking about. Play that clip for me, Jacob. From China's point of view, they want to get, um, they don't like the U.S. having this reserve currency because it gives us, you know, a lot of leverage over, you know, Iranian oil supply chains and all sorts of things like that. Um, they like, uh, they don't want the renminbi to become a reserve currency because then you have to open your capital account and you have to do all sorts of things that they, they really don't want to do. Um, you know, I think the euro, you could think of as, you know, was in part a Chinese weapon against the dollar. It didn't, in the last decade, it hasn't quite worked out that way. But that was, you know, China would have liked to see two reserve currencies like, like the euro. And, uh, you know, even though I'm sort of a pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin maximalist person, I, I do wonder whether at this point Bitcoin is also uh, should also be thought in part of as a Chinese uh, financial weapon against the U.S., where it's it is it threatens fiat money, but it especially threatens the uh, the U.S. Uh, dollar, and um, and China wants to do things to weaken it. So it's sort of China is long Bitcoin, and perhaps from a geopolitical perspective, uh, the U.S. should be a little bit uh, be asking some tougher questions about exactly how that works. David. Yeah, that's, 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 in the that's last, the, pe- the it, petrodollar. <laughs> yeah, in the last thirty, in the last fifty-five minutes, when we've been while we've been talking, I haven't heard anything that made me think the doll that you believe that the dollar fiat is under any serious threat from Bitcoin. So, I, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm not sure I understand where Teal's coming from on this. I think of him as being a pretty smart guy, just as I thought as Bonson. But, but. Um, any reaction to that, and or generally, more generally, why we see people who are who I think of as being in many arenas pretty smart, kind of get these weird views about about the technology? Yeah, and I got I got you know this is this is you know this is the petrodollar argument, right? This is the this is a, a long, long running complaint on the you know the global geopolitical scale that you know the That's U.S. dollar had been essentially the reserve currency, right? 
uh, and that this is, I mean, you look at the, like Venezuela try to come up with its own petro cryptocurrency, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists think that, you know, the run up to the, you know, the original rock war was the fact that France was buying oil in euros or at least in francs, I think, at the time. Uh, and that was, you know, that was, you know, a counter to it. Because again, you talk about being, you know, money as, a, as an accounting mechanism, right? If you have to buy oil, right? If you're, you know, in Saudi Arabia and you have to sell oil to someone in U.S. dollars, right? That's a friction. That's a tax on that. And so, I think he's, I think he's spot on in the fact that I do think that Bitcoin is well positioned to be uh, essentially a, um, you know, a, a borderless reserve, you know, store of value or reserve currency, if you will, uh, that does, you know, take power away from, you know, any kind of centralized government. Does this mean then, David, is this just last quick follow on? So when when Jay Powell on 60 Minutes says says that the Fed is investigating digital currency and we know that the Chinese already have digital currency, I have a digital currency or at least a, 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 a prototype of it. Um, is that in response to that to try to keep their 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 primary value, primary position in the uh, international financial markets? I think it really comes down to really more, uh, uh, you know, an issue of control and also cost. Uh, I think that what's interesting is that, again, in the central bank digital currency, you know, it does, it's not the same thing as Bitcoin, right? You, you know, the parties would likely be identified. They would likely have the ability to freeze, you know, freeze assets. I mean, you could, in theory, you mean, make a modification to the Bitcoin protocol today if the world agreed to it. That could essentially, you know, put a poison pill onto the network and say, okay, this store of value here is now forfeit, uh, and the network itself will no longer accept any transfers from that, right? That's a design consideration that could go into it. It doesn't exist in Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean it couldn't exist. And so I, I honestly think that, you know, because you know, I've spoken with the Fed, they've interviewed me for, for various ideas, and, and so I think, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is that you could, in theory, uh, really dismantle a lot of the legacy tax collection operation, right? I mean, you talk about, you know, VAT tax, for instance, right? You imagine at the point of sale, right, where the transaction is split between the merchant and the taxing authority, where they literally receive the store of value, right, at the time of the transaction, without having all this legacy apparatus around collections, you know, self-reporting and collections, like it could just be done. And so I, I do think that there's a number of very powerful tools you know, that could be used uh, you know, for good. And, you know, and again, it's, 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 we're a long ways out. Again, because we're using, you know, a vocabulary, if you will, that most people don't understand. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that, but I feel like I understand a little more about blockchain, and I feel like I understand a little bit more. In fact, I think I understand a fair bit more than I did an hour ago. So you've been a great teacher. Uh, I bet your classes at St. Thomas are highly popular. I bet they bet they fill pretty quickly. Uh, and you obviously have some great teaching skills as well as great financial skill. David Duchenne, uh, Silicon Prairie Capital Partners. David, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I, I could We could do this for hours more, but uh, hopefully we'll do it again another time. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, think about doing a podcast. And people can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not hard to find. So you know, feel, yeah. feel free to connect with me online. And I will I will tweet back out the uh, information again. But David Duchenne, SPPX.io is Silicon Prairie Capital Partners' website. Uh, he's online on Twitter at the Little Duke. Uh, also available on LinkedIn. Uh, just re- just reach out to him. We appreciate you very much. Uh, we'll be back right after this. You are listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. This is an important notice to all U.S. taxpayers. The IRS is giving away billions of dollars in tax savings through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative to aid delinquent taxpayers. This initiative was established for anyone facing financial hardship and unable to pay their back taxes. Qualifying and enrolling in this program will stop all collections, settle your delinquent tax problem, and even reduce what you owe by thousands of dollars. Call the hotline at People's Tax Relief to see if you qualify and get this free information by dialing 800-285-0395. 
If you have unfiled tax returns or cannot afford to pay your personal or business back taxes, you can now get the help you need. One simple phone call can resolve your tax problem and save you thousands of dollars. To see if you qualify and to get this important free information, call 800-285-0395. Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back. 800-824-3853. 800-824-3853. That's 800-824-3853. 800-824-3853. High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Minnesota knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Minnesota needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Okay, there was a time, I don't listen to that kind of music anymore, but there was a time where this was in the in the car. But chances, I'm trying to only remember if it was on an 8-track or on a cassette. Yeah, I'm that old. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thanks once again to David Duchini from, uh, uh, from Silicon Prairie Capital Partners for his visit today um again you can find find the uh the the company at sppx.io it's really fascinating what's happening uh in that space i brought up that that little piece about kenya because i did a lot of work and and i could have gone down this road with him but decided there was some questions i would just have to wait for a later time if i get a chance to have him on again um and I did some work uh, for the uh, for USAID, the Agency for International Development in Armenia back uh, about 15 years ago. It's still a question they have today. Um, as you might know from my last name, I am my father was um, ethnically Armenian, Armenian American, uh, first generation. I'm a second generation American. Uh, and I don't even try to identify as Armenian American because my mom, my mom was an Armenian. Uh, so, um, I am, I am sort of a classic American, uh, classic American through and through, uh, as I like to say, but I am super interested in the country. We did a project in which we tried to discover the various ways in which, uh, people transported money back to Armenia because Armenia sends a lot of its population out of the country to earn at higher wages than they can make in the country. And then they send the money back home, something that's referred to in the international aid arena as remittances. Um, And if you have relatives overseas and you've ever gone to Western Union to send them some cash, you've experienced the remittance system. 
um, you know, I have and I have cousins who who live in Armenia. Uh, we communicate regularly. Um, I speak bad bad Armenian. They speak bad English. We figure it out. Um, but from time to time, I want to send them a gift, right? And I had thought I had been thinking about about this fact because if you go to the Western Union place and you say I want to send two hundred dollars to my to my cousin in in Yerevan um you, what you'll see is that what you'll find out is to send $200 you have to give them 200 plus something more there's a there's a fee that Western Union charges and for a transaction that small it's usually been historically 7% so i have to give Western Union $14 in order to send $200 to my cousin um that's kind of painful uh, and now think about those people working overseas paying, you know, $14 one time. It's like, yeah, okay, it's an annoyance. But now think about the fact that you might be sending money home monthly or every two weeks. And now it's 14 14 14 14 14 And you're finally, you know, you're finally adding that up and going, gosh, I've given Western Union a lot of money. How do I solve this? And so payment systems arise to help move that money from place to place. And I, I have been curious about the, the extent to which uh, people who are are working as guests in other countries or perhaps as longer-term individuals in other countries um, send money back to their home countries and whether or not Bitcoin would do that. And that also ties to my story about Kenya and M-Pesa, which has been around for, like I said, it's been around since 2007. And it is how they pay each other. But the fact that Bitcoin does not really, you know, in David's view, and I think it's true, I, I don't know where I could take my Bitcoin wallet and buy a cup of coffee in St. Cloud, or for that matter, um, in uh, in in uh, Nairobi. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, it fails to be money in that sense. It's an asset, and I do hold a little bit of the asset, not very much. But I got a little bit, just for the same reason I hold gold and silver. They're stores of value that are independent outside of the fiat money system. Okay? It's just a tiny amount, and I only made that decision about five, six years ago. In part, a little bit from the work we've done on this show and thinking about what's happening there, what's happening in our, in our world right now, <clears throat> where the economy continues to grow at a fantastic rate. Indeed, let me play one more clip for you. This is John Lonsky's chief economist at Moody's. Um, and his description is just like, hey, things are just, just going gangbusters. Play the clip of Lonsky, please. Well, in large part, this is a release of pent-up demand. Uh, not that, you know, we have a record high personal savings rate. And, and that was because uh, people actually couldn't spend money on a number of services uh, that were effectively shut down. You're talking about the airlines. Airlines are reopening hotels, resorts, and this will lead uh, to at least a temporary surge by spending. In yesterday's Wall Street Journal, uh, page B1, title, Delta's outlook on travel in 2021 brightens. Delta Airlines by Allison Sider. Dallas, Delta Airlines Incorporated signaled the worst of the coronavirus pandemic is likely behind it as the airline anticipates that travel demand will continue to gain steam in, in, in the coming months. Uh, so while it was reporting net losses of $1.2 billion with a B on Thursday, uh, fifth straight quarter that it's lost money, said its operation began generating cash again last month for the first time in a year, and passenger revenue that month jumped 50% from February. So so things are looking up. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to play this clip again because because it, 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 it was one of those things that was like, that is so clearly the demand side story. This is Stinson Dean, a broker who buys and sells lumber in the cash market to help people in the construction business get input materials for building houses and office buildings and and, and malls and so forth. Let's play Stinson Dean one more time. It's tough. Sourcing product right now is 
it's it's not about the price. Price is just kind of a by, byproduct of what's happening fundamentally. And if you can get your hands on it, uh, you're going to buy it no matter what the number is. And the numbers are getting higher and higher. Futures have a, a daily limit. But in the cash market where I trade, uh, there is no limit. And prices are going up significantly uh, in a way that no one's ever seen before, certainly from just the flat price, but also the daily jumps. So the cash market is jumping at a higher rate than the maximum price increase that's allowed by CFTC in the futures market. That strikes me as concerning. And yet we continue to hear that interest rates are going to stay at this tremendously low level. It simply it boggles the mind. It simply boggles the mind. How can, how can we continue... Um, how can we? How can this continue to happen uh, without causing inflation at some point? And I, I, I again, I see, you know, I, I, you know, I continue to see that inflation. Um, I continue to see that inflation happening. I note, I noted uh, in a tweet a few days ago. I think back on Wednesday, I tweeted an article that uh, the uh, International Energy Agency, which is the, which is the uh, research arm of OPEC uh, uh, has increased its oil demand forecast as they say the outlook has turned decidedly bright, brighter, uh, quoting them. The massive overhang in global oil inventories that built up during last year's COVID-19 demand shock is being worked off. Vaccine campaigns are gathering pace and the global economy appears to be on better footing. World oil demand is is expected to expand to 5.7 million barrels a day in 2021, an upward revision of 230,000 barrels per day, with total consumption of at 96.7 million. Now, that is down still from the level in 2019. Make no mistake, the amount of oil we're spent we're burning is is going to be less in 21 than it was in 19. If you're interested in climate in, in, in climate change, I suppose this comes to you as good news. But this is one reason why you know um, prices on the on the oil markets continue to stay fairly strong. Oil is still trading around sixty five dollars a barrel for Brent crude, and those prices don't strike me as coming down anytime soon. But they're going to give space for OPEC to slowly ramp supply back up putting a few more dollars into into the cartels countries um, I think that will I, I think that will that's helping to relieve a little bit of the pressure on on the Middle East right now and keeping some of the con- maybe helping to keep some of the conflict at, at bay but I also think you should not expect prices to come down if anything if it grows faster if Delta's right, um, I would be surprised to see three dollar gas sometime soon. I, I, not at all. Um, remember, here in Minnesota, there's a change because of the Clean Air Act. There's a change in the formulation of your gas coming on May one in two weeks. Um, um, that sometimes is a point where you see a spike in the gas price. So, word to the wise: usually, this is the coming week where I make sure that the tanks in the cars are full, so I don't have to experience that first few days of uh, sticker shock and sometimes the price comes down after that we'll be back with our last comments after this you're listening to the king banyan show on the biz 1440 thank you for being a friend travel down the road and back again you're hot the biz 1440 kycr golden valley Hi, this is pj from pj's appliance outlet your local family-owned and operated appliance store no matter where you live in the Twin Cities, PJ's is worth the drive. We're centrally located in Plymouth. Just this past month, we've had satisfied customers from Maple Grove, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Eden Prairie, Bloomington, all over the Twin Cities. We take great pride in separating ourselves from those overpriced big box stores by simply providing over-the-top customer service, great quality products at unbeatable prices. 
PJ's has quickly become the trusted go-to store for brand new scratch and dent appliances. You can save hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars on brand new warranted name brand refrigerators, ovens, washers and dryers, dishwashers and freezers, top brands like LG, Frigidaire, and much more. Come visit our showroom today and ask for PJ, Bob, or Jake, or visit our website at pjsapplianceoutlet.com. That's pjsapplianceoutlet.com, where every deal is a steal. What does a three-ring circus, a triple scoop of butter pecan ice cream, and a three-run homer all have in common? A smile. Like the one on your face when you take advantage of Standard Heating's triple savings sale. That's three combined special offers. Standard Heating's April promotion, plus manufacturer rebates, plus utility rebates. A combined savings of up to $2,775 on a new furnace and AC combo. Visit standardheating.com. Standard Heating, providing the comfort you deserve since 1930. Hi, I'm Claire Ferreira, president and owner of Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Ever since my grandfather founded Standard over 90 years ago, word-of-mouth advertising and referrals from our customers have always been important. That's why, after serving over half a million customers, we're proud to have a 4.9-star average rating out of 5 on our online reviews. Check them out for yourself and find out more at standardheating.com. That's standardheating.com. Need special boots for a new job but don't know where to start? Step into Red Wing Shoes, where their friendly footwear experts can help you find the right style and size. Red Wing takes the time to learn about your job and measure your feet to get the perfect fit. Red Wing specializes in no-pressure one-on-one service. Stop into their stores in Circle Pines, Columbia Heights, Coon Rapids, Bloomington, and St. Cloud. Can't make it into the store? Ask your workplace about their shoe trucks where they bring the store to you. Red Wing Shoes. Work is our work. Need new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it. What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand, and it's all free? Visit my three quotes online. That's my three quotes. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to the Biz 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. Welcome back, King Daniel Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Thanks once more to uh, David Duchenne from uh, Silicon Prairie Capital Partners for his visit and starting us on better understanding of, uh, of crypto and some of the conversations about it. Um, yes, it, there is a value to having the reserve currency. Uh, that's certainly true. One of the things that uh, I'm watching in this debate about uh, whether or not inflation returns is how how the arguments are being made. And I, I tweeted on, I believe, Thursday uh, this week. You can, again, follow us at PoundKBRS on Twitter. That's how you find us. My, my Twitter handle is at Banyan Show. Um, that's how you find me. Uh, if you want to just follow me, that's awesome. I'd, I'd love that. We got several hundred listeners who who listen who listen and follow. We got lots more listeners, I think, who don't uh, don't have the Twitter addiction. And I'm not encouraging you to start one. Um, indeed, I'd probably at this moment tell you not to do it. Uh, <laughs> don't be a twit, as one of my friends says. Uh, but but I developed my habit of Twitter, you know, a dozen years ago, and uh, can't give it up. Anyway. One of the things that I'm seeing right now is this argument is being made that the that the economy continues to need monetary accommodation, extreme monetary accommodation, because we're going to have you know we're we're being fueled by the stimulus bills, and that's going to all fade away, right? Um, I'm trying. Let me see. Uh, Joseph Lavornia, uh, who used to work in the White House, I don't see growth as being particularly durable. The economy's going to slow a lot next year, more next year than people think. It'll probably be well under under three uh, percent. Indeed, Lavornia did work as the as a chief economist on the National Economic Council for uh, for President Trump before uh, Larry Kudlow went there. Um, 
uh, is, you know, he says, I don't see businesses making a big longer term commitment either to factory build outs or anything that would have a long shelf life because you're not sure what the regulatory and tax environments look like. That's true. But if that is true, I think I think Lavorni is right about that. But if that's true, what does that say about these calculations of job growth and money and fiscal spending multipliers and their impact on GDP? If it turns out regulatory changes influence the multiplier in a significant way, then isn't that and and that's the reason why the Fed is trying to keep monetary stimulus turned turned to eleven on the amplifier because it's one greater than 10 if you don't get the joke there's a movie you need to see there's a if it's not going to work in that way then then that's an argument against the spending bill we had it's an and it puts the lie to this comment about the number of additional jobs that's going to be created by the infrastructure bill being debated in the house that can't that's not going to work then and so I think we're going to find out now that the multiplier is a multiplier only when it suits the argument of the time. But the multiplier process, the numbers that we had been told would happen in the that we were told would happen as a result of the one point nine trillion uh, American Relief Plan Act is probably not going to go through. And it's a huge bill, has hundreds of these provisions in it. I just named one during the first hour here, uh, which is the first 10200 of your unemployment compensation is now going to be tax-free, which was not the way it was sent to you. But they retroactively put that back, and all of a sudden everyone's going to have a little extra cash in place. I don't believe this to be true. It's not because I believe in money multipliers, but I believe that the pent-up demand that you're seeing is quite strong. People are investing in houses regardless regardless of the impact that they would have on um, uh, regardless of the impact that it might have on inflation. I think that's going to come. And then then with that with that happening, I do think that there's a point where the Fed someplace Probably not in 2021. Maybe in the next, maybe in the next, maybe in early 2022, he's going to have to say something to the effect of, well, let's hold on here. We might need to start raising rates. Long before that, they're going to have to start tapering off their purchases of, uh, of assets in, in, in their uh, new QE forever. And the question is, which month does that happen? It's going to not happen in April and it's not going to happen in May. But it's going to happen sometime soon, and we're going to see it much before before much longer. Anyway, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the deep dive into Bitcoin and blockchain and all that technology. We'll do that again, and we'll visit with you again next week on the King Banyan Show here on the Biz fourteen forty. The tax man cometh. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. They'll be discussing retirement income and the taxes you pay on that income in retirement. Many retirees are shocked at how high taxes can be after they retire. Don't get caught without a plan. Alan Mike will share with you how to create a tax-efficient income strategy. Make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on The Biz 1440, or call them right now at 855-231-6010. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 500 
8384 relieffactor.com have you written a book you can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing the nation's oldest publishing services company countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market our professional team will edit your text design your book pages and create an appealing eye-catching custom cover plus our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books like Amazon and brick and mortar books stores so make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing don't wait another day take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print you've already written a book so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to dorns publishing and get your free guide to publishing call right now 800-482-8399 800-482-8399 That's 800-482-8399 Want to enroll your child in Christian school this fall for half the cost? TwinCitiesTuitions.com is joined with area private schools to offer half-off tuition for your child's first year. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, you'll see our partnering schools, an interactive map to find one in your area, and frequently asked questions about the program. Now more than ever, it's important for your child to have a biblical worldview. Get details about the half-off Christian tuition program at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. 